Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. So, Daniel, I had two cold opens prepared for this episode. I'm going to put them both before you, and you get to choose which one I do first, because I'm still doing both. Uh, one of them is about Space Jam, A New Legacy, and the other one is about Britney Spears. T- which pill do you take? Can we talk about how I spilled coffee on my desk? Oh, yeah. we should definitely talk about that. Uh, can I talk about it from my perspective for a second? <laughs> sure. So, Let's do a Rashomon thing real quick. Right the second we get on the recording, um, or at least on the call to record, I hear him like set his mic up. He goes, hey, what's up? And then like I hear like a tumbling noise and then like a liquid like boom. <laughs> and I'm like, you okay, man? He's like, I just spilled coffee. <laughs> It's just like, and it's like really awkward because like I can't help him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm in a totally different state listening to him. Like, oh jeez, oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> like, and then his mic just like cuts yeah. off. I am pastor. I can't swear. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was actually like stressful, and I'm like, he can see me on the webcam, and I'm like totally nonchalant. So like, do I look like a jerk right now? You had no expression. Yeah, you look like you weren't sure what facial expression you should have. So yeah. you're just kind of like staring forward, like, just uh, watching me struggle. Like you're in paper towels, like you're opening them. But like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that was my side of the story. What was yours? It's even <laughs> like- worse than that. Um, for kind of full context, I woke up early this morning because my car has a flat tire so i have to i haven't been able to go to the garage yet to like fix my tire or anything because I, I don't have a spare so i had to walk to the church today so i walked in an hour and a half here and while walking here like there's this moment where two roads diverge in a wood do i just go straight to the office and set up or do i treat myself and get myself a two dollar coffee at the convenience store of course treat yourself I said, you know what yeah I'm, I'm gonna do it it's a long walk i need a, something warm for my vocal cords because i'm gonna be talking on the show it's gonna i i did all that i, I did my morning praying and listened to podcasts listen to music it's been it's been a long morning so i got the coffee and i was like okay this is a good decision and so I go into my office and I, you know, I have a typical like absent-minded professor kind of setup. I have like ADHD. So like my desk is covered, my desk is covered in two things primarily really meaningful keepsakes that I've collected for the past like 15 years and important papers are just scattered everywhere. I have like, like financial documents. I have prayer <laughs> requests that people have handed Social me. Social security number. I, you know, my birth certificate, um, you know, things like that. And then I have, and then it's like, like tons of like drafts and ideas for things we're doing. That's just strewn all over my desk. Plus like my ex- really expensive, like books that I have, you know? And so I sit <laughs> no. down and it's literally like two things happen. I sit down, I put my coffee down. I move my microphone, the cord from the microphone immediately knocks it over my entirely <laughs> full cup of coffee that I have not taken. A, I got the extra large. I haven't had a sip of it yet. It's hot. 
And so it just goes everywhere over this <laughs> antique desk that used to belong to the former pastor who retired after preaching here for 50 years. And so I'm trying to keep the coffee from spilling over onto all of the cords on the floor. I'm trying to keep it from going on the books. I'm like the coffee's getting all over like my ticket stubs from the first wrestling event. I ever <laughs> no. went to a picture of my graduating class, uh, the graduation gift, like a pen in a wood carved thing from my college. Um, actually a, a school gave the former pastor like a commemorative clock that he never used. So that's just on my desk. So I got coffee on that. Um, there's a portable DVD player that's on my desk for some reason. I got coffee all over um, things from Guatemala. I got, um, oh man, a bunch of stuff. And so just coffee's going everywhere and I'm panicking and it's just sticky. And I, I don't, if you hear like a slurp sound, it's cause I put my hand on my desk and it got stuck to the desk. Uh, so that took 45 minutes <laughs> to clean up all the coffee. And I'm like, feel bad. Cause you're just sitting there and you're like, you're just watching. Well, you can't see me in my, I don't have a camera. I was just, I think I was playing Pokemon go. I can't remember, but I was doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. I look over and you're just like face down, looking at your phone. <laughs> Oh, I'm struggling. I don't have a towels or anything. I had to grab paper towels in the bathroom. That's the headspace I'm in right now. As we <laughs> go into this episode. So if I have an unusually negative review of Loki. That's why. Yeah, that's right. It, uh, Loki was great. Then I spilled my venti. <laughs> and now I'm mad. <laughs> why did this have to happen? Why, why did the, this timeline have yeah, to happen? Why did the TVA come and help me and stop this <laughs> Nexus event from happening? Can't believe it. That was that might be significantly better than both of my cold opens, um, but you still have the option to choose which one. I mean, you're editing the show. If you if you want to have like thirty minutes of just, <laughs> just like strip that out, it's just gone. Fine, I'll pick the Space Jam one. Is simple. I have not watched Space Jam: A New Legacy, but there was one comment on Letterbox that totally like that I just loved. It's it's a no star review and it just says is this what an NFT is? <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, that's a good one. There's not good reviews <laughs> at all. <laughs> I'm not shocked. Have you seen the put clips from the show? I mean the show, the clips from the movie they post online and stuff? No, I haven't, oh but gosh. I've heard about them and they're not sounding good. It's <laughs> it's so strange. It looks like the old, it looks like someone made like a parody version of what a LeBron James Space Jam movie would be because like the the big popular clip is there's a sequence where they're like I think they're planning they're trying to pl- pick people for the team or something but it, the way they do it is they have a super cut of different movie references all stuck together so they have like is it the one where like the Game of Thrones references in there no someone not, like comes in on a dragon or whatever i have not seen that or one. the mad max one where they're just I, super cut over yes. a scene from mad max yeah roadrunner is in mad max fear and, and it's stuff like that where it's just like hey look it's austin powers and mini me but it's parky pig is mini me isn't that funny you know did they basically just do um oh what it you you got to know this. What's the movie? The it's a martial arts film, but they supercut everyone over top of the film. What is it? Kung Pao. Kung Pao. Yeah, <laughs> where it's like they just bought the rights to the movie, and we're like, let's just put a a white guy in, it. <laughs> and then they just faked up everything. For a, for a second, I thought you're talking about something like Game of Death Two, where they had like a body double for all Bruce Lee scenes or something. And I was like, wow, that's a <laughs> deep cut reference. There's some of those Bruce Lee movies, the Bruce PlayStation movies they made. Some of them, in order to get as much footage of Bruce Lee as they could, included like footage from his actual funeral for like the death scene for Bruce Lee's character. <laughs> That's really it's bad. So bad. Um, 
But my, my point was that the Rick and Morty appear in the Space Jam movie is what I was uh, <laughs> oh, <do> they? up to. <laughs> um, okay. at, at the end of that sequence, like they just like throw the Tasmanian devil at like their window and like retired of like Rick Sanchez is retired of experimenting on your weird animal creature or whatever. And they they say something like, I don't know, they don't swear. They say something like butts or something. They say they say something PG because they're not allowed to swear. So it just feels weird because it doesn't feel like the characters because it's Space Jam. And that's the only scene they're in. They got Justin Roiland to show up to record 30 seconds of dialogue. And apparently that, that's the movie is there's tons and tons of like sequences like that where they just grab a Warner Brothers thing, throw it on screen for 30 seconds and then move on. And it sounds like a nightmare. It just sounds like a nightmare. Also, the original Space Jam is not good. I don't know why everyone keeps pretending like it is. <laughs> <laughs> the only other cold open I had was just about Britney Spears. Uh, was the um, don't buy Britney Spears products. She doesn't make any of that money anyway because of the conservatory still going. Good on her for saying I'm not going to do concerts anymore since my the conservator- conservatorship still is active. But also... Um, just observing that taking place, it reminded me, um, the, uh, and don't worry guys, we're going to get to Loki. It's just, this was, I just needed, I need a place to talk about these things. <laughs> and you guys, your ears are this place, but the, the it's whole, pretty, pretty funny cold open so far. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole Britney Spears thing just makes me think of, um, how the reason people, Apart from the fact that Princess Diana was great and everybody kept up with that, part of what made the Princess Diana story so moving and powerful for people is that a lot of women were feeling horrible about the culture and community surrounding them. And they looked up to the royal family for like, if you could get there, though, you could reach that fantasy of like success and and you'd be treated with respect only to find out that Princess Diana was not there. Right, like she's right. a beautiful woman. She's at the top of everything and she's still being treated terribly, hates her life and, and, um, and her husband's cheating on her for like a week after they got married. So, uh, a lot of it, the reason women were resonating with it is because it was very relational. And I feel like the reason people are so fascinated and keep up with the Britney Spears story is it's the same thing, but with mental health where, Basically, um, what's his name who made his video on YouTube, leave Britney alone, was right. Everyone should have left her alone. Um, She had a mental breakdown, went away, got better. But because of the old stigma of if you're broken, then you're broken now, she's not able to just actually recover and get better. (laughs) And or, or she is, but people won't treat her like she has because probably because for first and foremost for profit, which is really sick, but also because that's sort of how mental health is treated. And so I wonder if a lot of the reason people are so connected to the story is because they see themselves in her story. She's a woman who has been successful basically her whole life, took off. But then also you can look at touchstone moments in her story where she's having these mental health issues and the paparazzi are just following her around. Like my wife reminded me of one where she basically was having a breakdown, went into a restaurant was like, can you just keep the paparazzi out? Like I need to recover. And then they, the restaurant was literally like, no, and just let them come in. So that's where there's these photos of her just like weeping in a bathroom. And it's like, come on, like that's ridiculous. And it's because people aren't 
taking it seriously that she's having these mental health issues because, oh, I guess she's just a pop star. So like, I guess it's not a big deal. Right. So I just, I, that's my soapbox. That's, I just, I, I don't know if some people aren't taking the story seriously because it is a, like, I have not run into a single person, frankly, who has not been like Free Britney. Um, I've even had customers at my store just showing up, just saying like Free Britney. And I think it's okay that like the Britney Britney Spears products we have are not selling. I mean, they are, but I wish they wouldn't because (laughs) she's not getting any of that money anyway. But I just, man, that was that was brewing in me for the last two weeks and I had to bring it up. <laughs> so that was going to be another cold open. So I decided to put that with this. Um, so that's that. Thanks for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, I hope this was therapeutic for you. <laughs> it was very therapeutic for me because I don't know, man. It's a frustrating thing. And I think it's been frustrating for everybody, <laughs> but mostly for Britney Spears. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because it's like... I think you might have been part of this generation, but like for me growing up, Britney Spears was like a giant. I grew up, I was there for both her meteoric rise to stardom and then her subsequent becoming of just a sentient pop culture punchline in like their late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah there were a lot of, yes. So, I wasn't in it as much as you because I was born 95, but I was still kind of, I was probably there for the punchline part. Um, right yeah so no i remember a kid in my third grade class being obsessed with britney spears <laughs> like i remember her being like this massive star and i remember just like her fall from fall from grace you know and then i just remember like her just yeah i remember the shaved head i remember just like everyone every low brow like comedy movie and television show like the late night shows and the only person who really said anything about it was like craig ferguson that's the only person who said that because I think, what was it? Like, was it Nicole Richie? I think she died or something. I think it was her. She died. And then, like, Craig Ferguson on his talk show was like, we're part of the reason that she's dead, you know? So, like, I, I just remember. It's, it, so, I've been able to watch this entire arc of Britney Spears' career and the public perception of her. And I do like that we're getting to the point where we're just, like, humanizing stars. Like, just because she's famous or rich doesn't mean that she's not even big. Yeah. But also doesn't mean, like there is a trade-off to that. Like, yeah, she has like, she has certain benefits in life, but like you can't even go to a restaurant with people taking pictures of you crying in the bathroom. Like, I don't know how much money you had to give me for me to be comfortable with that. It's sort of like the Justin Bieber thing where like people were ragging on him for just being a 16 year old that was always being filmed. Like if you were filming me at 16 constantly, like, it'd be bad man (laughs) you'd you'd be making fun of me forever um you'd think i was the most disgusting person in the world you'd be like what's where's his parents it's like he's 16 like that's and he's being filmed all the time and yeah because i've seen i've seen more humanization of bieber as well where it's like people are finally old enough to realize like yeah if you were following me around documenting everything i did all the time of course i would look horrible or whatever enough about britney spears we should probably get into the episode uh oh and by the way if you're listening to this just naturally uh you can always skip all this nonsense i put the timestamp in the bottom in the show notes uh for when we introduce the episode so like or the the show so like that falcon and winter soldier episode we did a couple weeks ago it took like 17 minutes for us to get into the show and i timestamped that in the bottom, so you can always skip all this stuff. 
But I guess we should go ahead and introduce Loki now. Um, we have a lot of dead space in here. So as of recording, it's 25 minutes, but I'm sure as of listening, it's probably like 16. <laughs> but uh, Dan, why don't you uh, go ahead and introduce Loki for us? Uh, after a fairly, I wouldn't say lengthy delay, uh, Loki is a, well, the first season, I should say, the first season of Loki premiered on June 9th, 2021. It is a six episode Typically, you call these a limited series, but because it's going to get more seasons, spoilers, um, we'll just say it's the first season. It follows the titular character Loki with Tom Hiddleston reprising the role, because who else could play Loki? Uh, specifically following the version of Loki that we saw in Avengers Endgame, who escaped with the Tesseract, uh, following the Hulk getting upset that he had to take the stairs. Uh, however, Loki, shortly after his escape, is picked up by a group called the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. They're sort of, um, let's not mince words, they're sort of a space time police uh, who monitor all the different timelines, specifically with given the task of destroying variant timelines that diverge from the main timeline, which I guess for continuity purposes, we could refer to that as sort of the main Marvel timeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, Loki is paired up with Owen Wilson playing space and time owen wilson it's very similar to his other characters yes however yep. the reason that they are calling upon loki for help is that there is a specific variant uh an alternate version of loki running amok throughout the universe and doing something however very quickly this loki teams up with the other loki uh, to join them in their quest and so, as in typical marvel fashion the initial marvel uh the initial plot that we introduced to quickly sort of gives way to a larger story involving time and space and the end of everything and leading essentially leading up to figuring out who is in charge of the TVA. Why does the TVA exist? And over the six episodes, we grow to get to know a more anti-hero version of Loki, I suppose. And then we'll sort of get into kind of the characterization of Loki and how they play his character as a sort of he and the other Loki and Owen Wilson discover the true purpose behind the TVA and its existence. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Hey, what? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You want me to... expand Cinematic Doctrine. You know this Right, right, right. Yeah, I, (laughs) I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as low as $3 a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like The Pre-Show, which features free-form and Christian-friendly discussions on all kinds of topics, as well as influence the podcast. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. 
previous movies our lovely Patreon supporters have chosen are To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Hamilton, Onward, and American Gospel Christ Alone. Huh, you guys have good taste. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. So, Melvin, what did you think of Loki? I thought it was really cool. I I was excited for every episode as it came out. This is actually the first of the Marvel shows that I was watching week to week, which was really fun. And I was thinking like, yeah, this is a fun way to watch a show. It's nice to binge uh, a la Netflix style of dropping shows. But I'm saying that as I'm watching Queen's Gambit, like one episode every three days. So <laughs> I guess I'm not doing that. It was nice to each week have something to talk about with friends and coworkers. Like I remember t- texting my boss and like just being like, sorry, I didn't see the new episode. And then we didn't have anything to talk about. But then we had a lot to talk about anyway, because I had seen previous episodes. And what was kind of neat with Loki is that each new episode it always brought something new to talk about. And so like, even if you were behind, you could still talk about the show. You could still talk about the world. You could still talk about what's going on. And I thought that was neat because some shows, they don't have that much to go into. Like I remember when Walking Dead season one and two and like three were coming out, I was watching that week to week with people. And yeah, if you didn't see the new episode, you couldn't talk at all. There was nothing new to talk about um, unless you watch the new one. So I thought that was pretty cool that like each episode always had some sort of new nugget to to get into. I love the aesthetic of the show. I like that it kind of called on not just like classic sci-fi in the broad sense, because like everybody's imitated Blade Runner. Everybody's done that. Um, And this show overtly does that. I mentioned it in another episode, but they literally have a scene where they go to a raining location with a bright blue neon light in the background and they talk about memories. And so, yeah, there's a lot of influence there. Um, and the show is a lot about memories and stuff. Um, but, uh, there's also like kind of the old fifties, sixties aesthetic of science fiction. So there's a scene when they look out a window to see the TVA, like whatever world that is. Cause it's not like they're not on a planet, but they're like not in space. It's like its own thing. It, I, I described it to cat. Like I, it looks like the screensaver from the old, like windows 98 where like the pipes, the, the, the clay like pipes are like morphing and making their own design right, right, where like yeah. it has a logic system, but it's totally random, but it never impedes on itself. It just looks really cool. So I love that aesthetic. Even, even, you know, what? in talking callbacks, other sci-fi, they had the hallway like Star Trek where like if you have a curved hallway, you can always make it look like it's a big location, but it's your only set piece. They have a curved hallway like that. I liked how the show went in like, like I, I liked how it balanced its excitement and action with its like, with its more heady concepts because the show is a lot about like free will. It has a lot about that. It has a lot about internal value and love. Like a lot of the show is about self-love and whether or not Loki can find love and and love himself. It's just good. And and I think what was neat is it's just um it's compelling. It's it's beautiful. It's really well performed. Every character I liked. It wasn't like the other shows where certain characters were sort of just there. Um, like WandaVision is great, but some of its side characters are there just sort of as callbacks to other sitcoms, which I liked. Um, and that's clever and creative and fun, but 
this show, um, every single character has something to do and has something to offer and is also very good and really interesting. Whereas like Falcon Winter Soldier, there were characters that had stuff to do and were important for the plot, but were not that interesting, aka the Flag Smashers. I just didn't find them interesting. I found them conceptually interesting for what the show wants to talk about, but they themselves as characters were not that interesting. Whereas in Loki, like Sylvie's a great character. Mobius is a really good character. The the judge, the leader, I forget her name, but the main, uh, the woman who basically runs the TVA, but is not the one running the TVA. She was a really good character and I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah. So just a great show. I really liked it. I don't know if I like it more than WandaVision, but I definitely just, it's just great. And I thought like, was it the, um, what is that uh, turn? What's the third episode the planet they go to it's like called terminus no it's not terminus is definitely from a video game i played yeah it's like a it looks like a mining planet but it's like it's named after like the name is cleverly given to basically mean like the end i forget what it is i'm gonna look it up right now because it's in the title it's the title of that episode Um, lamentus yeah lamentus so like uh, i mean it's on the nose right (laughs) you're lamenting the end kind of thing um and like yeah even that like it's everything in the show is very tight it's all about its topics so like the fact that like characters there's a lot of um there's a lot of end timey discussion and end timey episodes where People are in locations where like the end is about to happen and all of that in theme with like self love and self value, um, basically putting together like the value of existing when things can end. It's just really, those are good topics. (laughs) Those are good topics for shows, for art to discuss. And I thought that was really cool because like the first episode is basically Loki learning that like, if he were to exist past the events of Avengers one, he's just going to die anyway. And he's going to cause the death of his mom. He's never going to actually rule. So uh, his glorious purpose never comes to fruition. So not only as like a character physically does he die, but also his ambitions die in that moment. And so there's just a lot of, yeah, it's just a, it's everything in the show has to do with these concepts. And so I loved how that was handled. And uh, so just a good show, really good show, man. I like everyone you, you keep talking about it, that everyone online is still basically talking about it, especially the fans. Uh, Loki as a show, as a Marvel property, just totally outclasses Black Widow, which everyone was also pretty much looking forward to and excited for. Even um, just some behind the scenes uh, talk. When we were preparing for the Black Widow discussion, I think like I was even thinking we need to talk about this now because no one's going to talk about it come Wednesday right. when the finale for Loki comes out. In right. fact, yeah. most of the time when I put up posts on the website, I have the lo- I have the podcast episode post come up early in the week and then I like to have a second post come up later in the week that sort of helps revive the podcast in the S- in search engines um and it also puts some web-based stuff to, on the con- on the website. So, you know, plugging the cinematic doctrine website cinematicdoctrine.com or syndoc.com you can find some cool written posts there that are a little different from our episodes but i had all of that come out before wednesday before the loki episode came out because my thought was once this finale comes out no one's talking about black widow anymore no one's searching black widow anymore no one cares about black widow anymore and that's kind of true like it's loki's just great it's a great show um 
So, but before we get into other stuff, how did, how are you doing with Loki? Like how, (laughs) (laughs) how are you doing, Dan? How's your heart towards Loki? (laughs) I thought Loki was very good first season of a television show. Um, I have some quibbles here and there with it, but I thought overall, yeah, I like the setting and the aesthetic of the whole thing. I like that the planet the TVA is on looks like a 1960s, like Steve Ditko comic book. Like it has a, yeah, it's great retro futurism looking city they're in i like the premise a lot i like the idea of like it's time and space police they're just monitoring all the events realistically of the marvel Spike universe but in theory of everything that's going on in all the different branching timelines and things that's a fun science fiction concept and i love and I'm just getting into some details about the show like i love sylvie the variant I think she's a great character. I think she's a great counterbalance yeah, to Loki. Super cool. I think there, it seems, it seems like there's, they very quickly switched Loki to being a much more heroic character with very little effort. I mean, I think, I think we're supposed to believe that because he's been watching, because he watches like the clip show of his life and he just sees how pointless his endeavors are. Right. That's supposed to very quickly put him on the path to goodness, which, yeah, okay. I can buy that. For the sake of a television show, I get it. Um, it is interesting comparing that to the relatively much longer character arc he has throughout the films, where following Avengers One and then Thor the Dark Thor the Dark World, taking over Asgard. The, the Skrillex phase. Remember <laughs> when <laughs> remember in Thor to the Dark World when the trailer were com- was coming out and they show Loki in the in the prison cell and everyone's like, he looks like Skrillex. <laughs> so I remember that, but yeah, yeah, I can see what they're talking about now. <laughs> He looks like uh, the former <laughs> from first to last singer. What's his name? Moody? Something. I want to say something like that. I don't know. No one cares about Skrillex anymore. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Like, awesome. so you, in the films, you got this sense of like, you understood his full character arc and they're kind of playing off that where like the audience has already seen Loki go through the redemption process. We don't need to drag it out for another show. Um, Cause then, yeah, people will try and poke, be like, I've seen some people complain that the Loki of the films is a much more fun, unpredictable wildcard character while this Loki weirdly comes off almost kind of like not a stick in the mud, but he seems almost like a stuffy shirt, which I get is to kind of counterbalance him with Sylvie, who is more of the wild card. But regardless, Tom Hiddleston is just endlessly charming and the yeah. actress that got to play Sylvie, which for context, it's revealed very early on in the show at the Loki variant. And it's a great moment. Like I'll, Loki season one is built on tons of great reveals and moments where they keep yes. your attention the whole time where very quickly Loki, cause he's smart and he understands himself is able to track down where the variant is hiding and where the variant's hiding is itself an interesting idea where um, the variant is hiding within end of the world events, which because of the cataclysmic nature means that no changes that she makes there p- gets picked up by the space police, which is a fun idea, which is a really cool yeah. time timey wimey thing because a lot of a lot of uh time travel stories are tired um yeah yeah fall apart it's sort of why like there's only a few that i can think of that like their their logic works like donnie darko's i feel like the logic is really strong in that one um because it's basically a nexus event (laughs) story and i'm trying to think if there's even one just one other time travel story i can think of that doesn't fall apart because even endgame falls apart Except now it doesn't. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's weird. Oh, 
Monica Magica. That's the other one. The other one with a logic system that's time travel and it works. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, it was just neat. And that being a big plot point alongside sort of like the existentialism of the story, I think was really effective. And of course, makes a scene later on in this, in, in the, I think it was episode four, really, really powerful because there's a nexus point basically taking place there. But, but yeah, getting, getting to that moment is they finally tracked on Loki and the great reveal where it's like Loki takes her hood off and she is revealed that, Oh man, it's a lady, <laughs> which is such a simple, like, trick and card to play but it's so effective here Mm -hmm. Uh, and because the surgeon of loki and this this is where like marvel knows what they're doing so they they know how to write things purposefully just to make fans be fans and so all immediately there's all this fan speculation and fan fiction about like why is this lady loki variant a variant what makes her bad you know and a lot of people are theorizing that she was a loki that was destined to be a good person and that's not correct and i don't even know if it's in the show but like because of the way the character is sort of portrayed it leaves it open for all this fan interpretation and then we get into sort of even the more weird off the wall stuff where tom hiddleston loki starts to kind of develop feelings for sylvie which is the name of the female loki and they get stranded on this like planet together that's just blowing up. And they've tried all these ways to get off get off the planet and nothing works. And then they have a moment where they're just like holding hands essentially. Or not even holding hands. They start like one person puts their hand in the other person's hand. And that alone is such a huge nexus event. One of these big events that creates a branching timeline in case you haven't explained it. That the TVA is there to destroy. That even though the world is ending, it's creating this massive moment that they need to stop. And so something about them loving each other is powerful. The idea of Loki falling in love with himself. The idea of Loki liking himself, basically. Who else could he love? Who else could Loki love? Uh, yeah. I, my wife was joking with me how in 2013 or 12, she saw on Tumblr like a shipping chart, which for those who don't know, shipping charts is you're basically taking characters from a show and drawing lines and saying they're together and those ones are together and they're together and then explaining why they're together. And then she just saw Loki just like circles himself. <laughs> and It's just like he, Loki is with Loki. That's it. Yeah, the <laughs> so. Kanye West <laughs> shipping with it's perfect um and stuff like that really works like i think yeah and this is where i am currently very happy with the show and we'll get into some of the like the later episodes which episode five of six is a standout episode and then episode six is the one that causes all the fan speculation and stuff what i'm just gonna say right now though like if this is what the show is gonna be like the whole time i'm gonna be very disappointed because like that it just keeps doing fan speculation producing stuff each episode so so far with the exception of maybe wandavision in some instances all of these marvel disney plus shows have really felt strongly like six hour movies like they just feel like movies stretched out with just like it's just like the, the lord of the rings extended editions basically you right. know with all the cutscenes added back in I think Loki is ripe for a more traditional procedural Doctor Who type show. Like this would really work as like a 12 episode season where different episodes, Loki and Owen Wilson just go to like a weird Marvel place and deal with a weird Marvel problem because that's what they are. Yeah. It felt like that's what it was going to do because episode two is that it's an investigative noir 
and then yeah it doesn't keep doing that and then, and then yeah then it kind of and that was i was pumped for that i was pumped just to see me too you know the buddy cop dynamic where loki's a loose cannon and owen wilson's the more like traditional like play by the rules cop and stuff and that the marvel universe is ripe for that kind of thing like can you there's all these planets and dimensions and timelines and characters they could interact with especially because michael waldron is like one of the lead writers in the show is a he's a brick and morty guy he's more rick and morty and so like that like it's ripe for that type of thing so if next season is just like more like world building for the movies i'm gonna be very disappointed by that because I think that's you're taking some real potential there and just like kind of throwing it out the window. Mm-hmm. But as it is now, I think this show is a lot of fun. It's inventive. I like like it looks different. Like it has it doesn't have the same kind of bland look that Falcon or Soldier, where everything just looks kind yes. of gray and black. This or is, even like the Shang Chi trailer it just looks so bland. I don't know. Yeah, like it looks black so widows, like, colorless. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looked like it looked like a soundstage for a lot of the movie. Right. This is colorful. They go to different places. There's different locations. And even if that's just them using the technology they used for the Mandalorian to simulate larger places, it works. And the characters are fun. And the implications and ideas are so much more interesting because it just feels like a weird science fiction show. Even if it never reaches the full potential, there's stuff there. And of course, the characters are great. So before we get into more spoilerly stuff, I'm just going to say like, so far this is the, one of the best things they've done. Like I, this rivals some of the Netflix shows for me as far as um, as much as I enjoyed them. Like the Netflix Marvel shows you mean? Yeah. Like I think Jessica Jones season one, I still think that's my favorite thing. I think overall daredevil as a package is still, I like that better than this, but Loki has that potential. Like if, if they, if they do some weird and wacky stuff in seasons two, three and four, or however long it goes, this could be really something special. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, do you want to get into later episodes or anything or, uh, yeah, I figure there's like, I guess like three, two or three touchstones that I figure people listening want us to mention. One being the whole alligator Loki <laughs> and biting off the hand. That was awesome. <laughs> the fan dude. favorite character that they're making all the fan art of. Yeah. I rewatched <laughs> that scene too. Like seconds after it happened, like he gets his hand bit off. There's this brawl. That's actually not as interesting as I was hoping it was going to be. And then they escape. And then I said to my wife, I'm going to watch him bite his hand off again. <laughs> and then I just rewound it. I didn't even finish the episode yet. <laughs> it was twice. I, was, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> but you could tell that they like sped it up or sped it up really quick because they were like, I don't know. It might be too violent for this <laughs> for, for these kids to watch. Or the but puppet it's might like, not look great. I don't know. Yeah. And then it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great scene. That Yeah. That whole sequence is to me like that episode is kind of the best of the entire show. Like for those who, yeah, for context, like, Loki actually so there's a thing that happens when the time variance authority gets rid of you which is they just hit you with like a big stick that (laughs) (laughs) it they were these yeah they don't have guns why don't they have guns like I figured it could be that they don't have guns because if you're shooting a projectile that does that and you miss you're just teleporting things (laughs) around or it's like because if you like fired a projectile it would just affect the space and time in front of it. Right. When the laser just keep going in theory. Right. And then you just have like an eternal, like <laughs> warpy thingy. Or maybe there's know. no second amendment in space. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> That's right. Um, freedoms. There's so much freedoms in space. 
This is what I'm telling you, man. This is why Jeff Bezos wants to go into space. This is so they can murder someone and there's no law to prevent it. <laughs> it's the, the most dangerous game in space. That's a movie. That's a movie pitch right there. That's just Ad Astra. I, I think it'd be um I think it'd be neat if they had like, yeah, some of the like goofy looking like Star Trek laser phasers or something. I think that'd be really fun. Set phaser to timey wimey and <laughs> set phaser to prune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but so like up to this point you just kind of assume that it kills people but it really just sends them to like the junkyard at the end of time where a giant beast just eats them it's like the it's like the weird monster in the trash dump in star wars you know and alioth is what he's called and it turns out that like all the lokis that have been sent there all survive because lokis are the cockroaches of the universe i guess <laughs> yeah, they just can't freaking die yeah and so first off this is great because in the background there's all this like pruned junk but it's stuff from like the comics like they have the thanos copter yeah i saw thing. that i was like isn't that isn't that the freaking thanos copter it's, yeah yeah there's some <laughs> stuff like that there's like a there's a helicarrier there's you know all that kind of stuff um the head of the living tribunal is there which is wild uh, but more, most importantly, like all the Lokis are there, but it's like they really take advantage of the idea here where there's uh, Richard E. Grant. The great Richard E. Grant shows up as a classic 1960s Loki. Um, there's Kid Loki from the comics who in the comics, he declares himself the king of the outcasts. So when they later mention that, that's a thing in the comics. But both Th- Frog Thor Throg is briefly seen as well as Crocodile Loki. And so all these Lokis are just there. And it turns out later as they're in the hideout where it includes a, a Polybius machine, which is hilarious in their hideout. All the Lokis just take turns trying to overthrow and backstab each other. So they're just roving <laughs> gangs of Lokis just betraying each other over and over again. And it's a great moment where like you see Tom Edelstone Loki is just sitting there and you just see him getting fed up. Like he has a moment of just like, this is what I am. This is what I yeah. do. And yeah. he's there in his suit with a tie as all these Lokis who look like Mad Max people just attack each other. And it's this moment of like, that was one of the biggest moments of self-reflection in the entire show where he's just like, Oh, this is dumb. This is what my life is. It's just this yeah. endless series of backstabs and they like shoot each other and it's great. And then Richie Grant Loki is like one of the more enlightened ones. He's like savages. They all constantly betraying each other, you know? And like, it's just that stuff is like the more off the wall. Like, okay, this is what I want from the show. Like do more weird mm-hmm. things, like embrace the, the embrace your own premise and what it like entails. You know, it's a great episode. Yeah. And it's a really creative, fun way to talk about its themes of existentialism, it, self-reflection. Yep. <laughs> it's all, <laughs> it's them just all out good. There. And one's a crocodile. And, and it's what makes it fun is it's for the people who don't care for heady stuff like that for basically like, I would say who don't care for art introspection, they just get to watch a bunch of Logies beat the crap out of each other, <laughs> including the alligator who is also trying to overthrow. <laughs> like, meanwhile, there's everyone, something for everyone. Yeah. And then for other people like podcasting dudes, um, we get to <laughs> talk about how it's actually about something bigger. The real movie critics. Yeah. The real ones. Yeah. Two 18 to 35 something year old men with a podcast. Yeah. With no Love film it. degrees. Yes. <laughs> so good <laughs> no budget um yeah it's a great that's a great episode sylvie's there she chooses to prune herself to go save loki which is a great moment of characterization the big betrayal is that owen wilson shows up in a car and it's not his character from cars like what's he <laughs> what's even the point it wasn't even a red car <laughs> why and he never says wow he never or ka-choo or, yeah uh, come on this is ridiculous who are these hacks writing the show season two's gotta do it I guess like another thing that 
uh, apart from Crocodile Loki and all of the Lokis, is there's uh, episode three. They mentioned that Loki's bisexual, and apparently that made people on the internet, some people mad, some people happy, and then other people who are just Loki fans just go, what did you expect? <laughs> like, it's Loki, of course. I didn't really see anyone be mad, to be honest with you. Mostly people are just, yeah, because it's, cause it's a thing that, like, the character does in the comics, so everyone was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, what a surprise. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I figured for me, I mean, I told you this, I was like, what a surprise, a character who hates himself and hates others, but is still trying to, like, feel good good and live life is now exploring different ways to do that and still feels terrible anyway so like he's just perpetually feeling horrible at all times i mean that's really feeds into his um his soliloquy with the dagger in episode three right yeah where it's like love doesn't exist and if it does it just stabs you in the in the heart kind of thing so like <laughs> it's just a perpetual unhappiness um so of course he's done all kinds of things to try and feel better about his life. It's not a surprise at all. Yeah. I think it's the reason that like this didn't cause as much of ruckus as other things is like for the people that like would have a problem with like a care, a mainstream character not being heterosexual, like with Loki, it's like he already like committed genocide. So yeah, like (laughs) that didn't upset you. And then, but he's also like a cool roguish character. So he, for the people who were looking for representation, like he's a cool character. So that works, but it's also not like forced in the sense that it's like, they just took a character and we're like, they, yeah, they didn't like blindfold themselves and throw a dart and be like, all right, that one's gay. <laughs> you know, this is in the kit in the comics. Loki is essentially, I guess you call it omnisexual. Like he has had relations with all kinds of aliens and animals and creatures like Riker from Star Trek next generation i haven't seen next gen so these nerdy references go he's just known for sitting in chairs very strangely and then also sleeping with every alien i mean implied you don't see it (laughs) those are two defining features um yeah so like i think for that like that's part of why i mean it was for it was it was a thing for like a day or like the kate heron i think i'm pronouncing her name correctly she's bisexual so she went on twitter and was just like this is important to me to include in the character. And so, um, and everyone's like, yes, you know, great. Yes. Queen, you know, so every, it was, it was a, it was a thing for like a day. Cause I think it was my wife who said she saw there were like some groups where people were not happy about that. Yeah. It was like universally celebrated slash not commented on at all slash seen as just a curiosity. Non I just figured it's non-controversial because it's a mature story about mature people who have lived, mature lives and that includes sometimes doing things that uh it, i don't know are, are going to be upsetting to people including mass genocide <laughs> so like <laughs> i don't know i'm just waiting for the moment when all these people finally jump off marvel because marvel's like the mcu is much more slow and steady when it comes to representation partially because everything they do is like cold and calculated so they don't want to make international um any any markets upset with anything they do but it's coming like i think eternals is gonna have actual queer couples in it or something well if they made new mutants canon if they somehow put new mutants in the canon that would <laughs> they're not gonna touch that with the death <laughs> maybe though who knows who knows with the multiverse which is i'm sure what we're gonna end up talking about in the end is the multiversal implications but like I mean, in the television shows, there's already those characters like Jessica Jones, Jerry Hogarth is like a lesbian. 
think there's one or two crew characters in Egypt Shield, if I remember correctly. But yeah, once the like once they finally do it, I'm I'm curious if Christians are going to just wash their hands of the MCU finally. Yeah, well, I mean that's where the upset probably is is in the Christian yeah. community. It's um, because oftentimes it's worry about normalization, but let me tell you, it's already been normalized <laughs> as of like a decade ago. And television's been always ahead when it comes to not. A, I guess you, you could yeah, television has always been more progressive than movies anyway. Um, because they can afford to do it compared to movies. Right, yeah. And even if people get upset, they can just not watch that one episode, you know. Which would be a bummer, because that third episode is a great episode. It's a good episode. And it's only one line, and it doesn't really mean anything other than... In, in, really, the the topic of the discussion is about, basically, they're just depressed. It's like, that's it. That's the topic of the discussion right. anyway. I think that's just it. It's just because of the normalization of it. And yeah, it's it's already been normalized, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, my my, my stance on all of this stuff... Which, I mean, I guess it's not a very exciting stance. It's like art and television and film, they're going to reflect the people who make them. They're going to reflect the culture they exist in. And we just live in a world where this is how things are. And so I go to the, I go to the movies and I turn my television on and see stories and I see, and I want to see stories and stories typically involve people and people are all kinds of things. So, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Like, it's weird because it's like if you watched Christians will watch 50 movies about like hardened vigilantes who take the law into their own hands, right? which is not righteous or good. And but most of the time, the films play those things as entirely virtuous in, by nature. But like when characters do things or they'll even watch things about characters who sleep around or have affairs or have soap opera level lives the the instance you add homosexuality or abortion into it then it's like right. off it's like off base you know it's then then that's crazy you know i don't know guys like i don't know what you like i mean i get it i get the thing of like well these these shows there's celebrate it more they celebrate it more than something like a movie where like a guy shoots a hundred thousand people <laughs> but first off i would disagree i don't know if you saw commando with Arnold schwarzenegger but like the all of his violence and killing oh, yeah. all it's always framed as heroic it's they give him the cool music they give him the cool one-liners their actions are always framed as entirely good and commendable yes but at the same time like i think most stories i've seen that involve queer relationships portray it as things that are difficult or secretive or things that cause them much inner turmoil and consternation. Like, and that's just kind of part of the makeup of being a person in 2021. I think in a lot of ways, <laughs> consternation and misery. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. After 2020, I'll say so. Yeah. I, for me, I, I think it's just, it's useful um, for the Christian to be aware of when, uh, of people's genuine lives. And when you have a story that like Loki for all of its fantastical aspects, feels very genuine and honest. It feels like you could sit down and talk to the writers about these topics of existentialism, self-value, self-worth, and um, individual goals. You could ask them, what is your glorious purpose? And they could probably answer and tell you like, well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a screenwriter. Now I'm doing it and I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. And like, bam, now you can start like that. That allows you to get into talking about like, I don't know, maybe the gospel. <laughs> it's it's called evangelism. Um, and it's doing the Areopagus. It's doing what we talk about in our, um, if you go to our about section on cinematicdoctrine.com, it's engaging the community, understanding it, 
And you can only really do that when it's honest, because if it's dishonest, everything you say will not be to the actual person. And it's actually to the just their bravado to their to their mask. And you're only going to get that if you're, of course, hearing things that might be upsetting to you. And just case in point, I'm not going to get into the specifics, uh, but like I've had conversations with people who have shared with me things that are basically sinful, uh, basically horrible, basically sad, basically painful, basically evil. And in those moments, they're filled with massive amounts of contrition. And or in other times, they may not, and they don't quite know that it's quite so bad. And the worst thing I can do is what, like, just like a television program, turn it off and say, tell all my friends not to to watch it. Just be like, sorry, friend, I can never get together and talk with you again. <laughs> like, that's not how it works. Now, obviously, it's a television show, and you could do that with a television show. And that's totally fine, because it is important to be careful of what you take in. That's a total a wise thing to do. But if you're also trying to, one, if you just want to have a good time and just watch a good show, because Loki is a good show, um, I think you can put up with one line about Loki being bisexual amidst all of the other stuff that Loki's done. If you're watching this show, you've watched you you've watched all of the other <laughs> Marvel stuff and probably liked him as a character, uh, considering he's still had been a scumbag and a horrible person. I mean, the first episode, they talk about it. They're like, you're stabbing that guy and you're smiling, dude. <laughs> like they're just, they're right. putting it right in front of you, um, which is a good test to the audience, too. It's like, why do you like this guy? He's evil. <laughs> like He's a terrible man. He's just smiles and is happy when he does it. I mean, they're not even talking about Joker. <laughs> like, Why do people like Joker? The dude's horrible. Um, but people do. So I don't know. Um, it's I think I think my wife had observed that in Christian communities, yeah, it was mostly some upset about that. Um, but what right. a surprise! That was the same with Onward, and they could have <laughs> they could have just watched the Middle Eastern version of Onward, and they would have been fine <laughs> because they edit out the one line of dialogue where she says that she has a girlfriend. Yeah, and to be clear, we're not saying that like being gay is, means that you're a bad person, like a person who, who destroys a city, um, but. I also think like I think it's weird to want to approach anything and be like I only want to watch this thing if it fully condemns people I don't like and then fully celebrates people I do like. Where we talk, I, I think I might talk about this about Wandavision, where it should shows fully you know punish characters for things that we think are wrong. Like should Wandavision have ended with like a fifty minute monologue talking about how. Wanda's terrible for all that she did and then you know whatever and I just don't think I disagree with that should it have a soliloquy at the end where Falcon shows up as Captain America and talks <laughs> could you imagine if it did something fun. that on the nose yeah. um <laughs> which is I mean I when I talked to with a buddy of mine about Falcon Winter Soldier he even was like why do we need Marvel to and he didn't quite like the ending but he knows what they're trying to do conceptually he's like why do we need Marvel to espouse a form of morality <laughs> why, why are you turning to marvel for like, your morality yeah i oh I, i'm trying to make sense of all of this racial tension in the united states you know i'm seeing all this stuff on the news if only marvel would come out with a project that yeah. would explain these things to me exactly you know exactly we've it's it's what dave Chappelle talked about back in 2005 with where's jaw like where's jaw rule it's the same thing like, why do you need <laughs> celebrities in hollywood to spoon feed you what you should know and what you should do about race and morality, all these things. 
like entertainment should not be taking the place of your ethics professor or your pastor or your babysitter for your children. Like, and conversely, as you grow in media literacy, you'll be able to diverse what's healthy and what's not with what you're watching anyway. And so like when you're watching certain things that have problematic choices or decisions or people doing bad things, you'll be able to parse through that and make your own decisions without it overtly influencing you. I just mentioned I'm watching Queen's Gambit. I'm sorry, but I'm not, I I think I'm okay. I'm not going to learn to play chess and drink at the same time. (laughs) I think I'll be okay. (laughs) And the show of course is so much more than that, obviously. And so, uh, look forward to that episode yeah i'm and it, i'm not saying that like i'd want my marvel stuff to be completely empty-headed but it's nice when they make them shows and movies about something and that's what i really liked about not to keep hitting this drum but like daredevil has some overt religious themes in it and i was just thinking today actually like early there's talk about whether or not the devil exists in early in season in season one which is pretty heavy for a show where a guy beats up muggers in alleyways. <laughs> but there's like, when you make it about something that really helps, it's just, I think at the same time, like there is a difference between a show or movie. Part of it's part of it's Disney can never really take a stand on anything because they're trying to be media for everyone versus every year. When you look at what's nominated for Oscars, they're typically films that take very specific stances on issues and have set points of view that they really are trying to hit home, which that's polarizing. You know, Parasite is has a specific point of view is trying to get across. I remember what was it, Carol? What was the movie where when you when you went and saw in theaters, a portion of ticket sales went to like Planned Parenthood or something? Oh, I Sorry, don't know. Chat, but like that movie had a very clear view on the world of morality that it was pushing unapologetically because that's what the movie's about but like the problem with that is it's going to very quickly turn off part of your audience which disney's never going to do so like they can only do surface level like their show dealing with race in america ends with a monologue about where they all talk about we should just shake hands and and sing kumbaya and and, you know sing we all the world while we sway back and forth that was as deep as the show could get you know because they can't they they can only do one thing in one direction, you know, and, or they, they can't go in any particular direction. They have to be as general as possible. So I don't know what you expect from, from Disney who they're putting, pushing out like 50 sequels to, to movies now, or they're just remaking their movies, you know, right. they're not, they're not going to, they're not going to give you a big, a big morality lecture. And at the end of the day, it is just a company trying to make money, which is why only right. this year, and I guess you could say they wanted to do it last year, but only this year were they creating a, um, a massive amount of pop vinyls that were rainbow colored, which I mean, you know, they could have done that 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Where, where was Disney? Why were they silent Disney in 2001? <laughs> why didn't you say anything about nine 11 Disney? Come on. <laughs> It's just crazy. Yeah. I, the discussions often, I think, I think the reason I, the discussion is had for this and the reason this discussion went this far after just talking about Loki having one throwaway, throwaway line where he's like, yeah, I've tried dating everybody. <laughs> dating. <laughs> I like this idea that he went on a series of dates. Yeah. He went on a series of Tinder dates and some went for a couple months. The concept that Loki's dating. Where, where's that? Where's that miniseries? But the, the, 
this discussion keeps being had because people keep not knowing quite how to land about it. And I, I don't know if people feel free enough to just make their own decisions, especially in Christian circles. People are always so worried about what should I, should I do and what should I not do? Who should I support and who should I not support? What show should I watch? What show should I not watch and why? And so if you can just give, if you can just demonize specific things, then you don't watch it. And so they're just having to specifically demonize something. Yeah, it, it's deeply unfortunate that people just in the last several decades are demonizing homosexuality and demonizing abortion when, I mean, these are people that Jesus would be hanging out with. These are people who Jesus would be moving towards and loving because that's what we want. We want to be loved. And that's the one big thing that we can't, we we always question is possible in the fallen age is that we're even lovable. I mean, when you get down to it, every single problem is, can we be loved? And then you're trying to make up for that love by doing something else. And like, that's kind of what the show is about even is just, can Loki be loved and can Loki love? I mean, that's really the moment of decision at the end of the show is, is this even possible for Loki to love and to be loved? I guess we'll find out in season two. I think the more of the, the, uncomfortable like the christian anxiety about these things is you know art doesn't exist in a vacuum and so the more you see things pop up in the media the more of that sort of like indication of where we are at as a culture and i think sure i think there's a desire to i think it's almost thing of like if i can fight it in this plane that'll f- fix it and like the larger issue because it's like so many of the things that were sitting there like oh you launch this thing where they do this like there was a point where they, they wouldn't do that. You know, the famously Lucy and her husband, I, I haven't seen, I love Lucy in like so long, but like they slept in separate beds. Like that's specifically referenced in WandaVision, you know, mm-hmm. like that's where the culture was at. You can call it repressive, but at the same time, like, you know, the idea that you would see any sort of like flagrant sexual behavior anywhere else was like unheard of. And I'm not saying that was right or wrong. I'm just saying that that was sort of a snapshot just of where the was. American culture was at that yeah. time. And so as you see these things become more normal in your media and your art, that sort of shines a light into where the culture is. I think that makes people uncomfortable. And so they want to, and there's this Christian desire to fight back against sin, fight back against this stuff, which isn't a bad desire. I just think your efforts are better placed elsewhere where, you know, like, why don't you like the culture wouldn't be producing these things if they weren't in the culture in the first place. So you should be going out and the church should have been doing its job for the past like 30 or 40 years and making disciples of all nations. Then you wouldn't have this problem now, would you? Right. And so like, I think, but there's a thing where it's like misplaced passion and frustration comes out in a thing of like, we're going to keep, kids from buying M&M records and that's what we're going to do. And that's how we're going to save the children and we're going to stop Dungeons and Dragons and we're going to stop Magic the Gathering or whatever. And that's not the problem. Like the problem is people's hearts are evil and blinded by sin. And yeah, maybe, maybe there's one or two kids that because they see it in movies, it's going to be a problem. But like, again, if the parents are doing their job, then the kids will, you know, the movie's not going to turn your kid gay, you know, or in a television show is going to turn your kid into a wizard or whatever it is you're worried about. Right. That's not how it works, you know? So, yeah, I think there's just this thing. And then so every time it's almost they lost another battle, like, oh, this show's got a gay character in it too. Oh, <laughs> another one. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> another one's down, you know, it's just like, well, that's, that's where it's at. 
if you want a show that like really shows my pastor and I have this ongoing conversation about what captures the zeitgeist of like the culture at the moment. And honestly, I think it's the show. Um, have you watched the show Shit's Creek? No, I haven't. My parents have, and they said it's really good. I, it's a solid sitcom. I've been thinking of checking it out because I'm just rewatching Arrested Development over and over <laughs> and over, and I'd like to do something else. Yeah, but like that's the show. I think that's a show that more captures the zeitgeist of the culture than anything else. Which is, there's multiple characters in the show that have, you know, non-heterosexual sexualities. Mm-hmm. And like the relationships are treated not a big deal, you know. Just like characters sleep around, they have different relationships with different people. Um, there's an episode where characters come out to his parents, and the it turns out that the actual like um, tension isn't that his parents are homophobic; it's that they're so disappointed that their son wouldn't tell them in the first place, which is a very nice thought. But it's just like I was watching it, and it's like there's nothing offensive in the show, unless just seeing two two men be in a relationship together is offensive to you but like it's one of those things where like this is just where the culture is at none of this is, there's no there's no drama being mined out of the character's sexuality it, it, that's just the same like that's a, it's characterized and normalized as it would be any other relationship which for some people is a massive victory other people it's a massive loss but like that's where the culture is at and so like that's part of why I think it's so funny in a way that people are sitting there like a character in a Disney film in the background makes a comment <laughs> that, 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 yeah. that they have like a husband and when they should have a wife, it's just like, man, the culture is so far beyond that already. It's like, I don't know why you're treating Disney. Like it's like the last bastion of American morality or something like it's that's over. I had a conversation with uh, Logan Sharp from um, the reform gamers podcast and like we greatly disagree on this one topic, which is I think the cultural war is over. I think it's gone. Like I think we lost it twenty years ago. And he he contends that like the cultural war is still being fought because his point is like there's still ground to be gained. Like you can still make Christian films, you can still make Christian games, you can still you know try and wrestle for the heart of America, so to speak, a little bit. I just but I just don't think that's. I think that's gone. I think that's lost. I think the idea of a culture war is misguided, in my opinion. I think we're not called for a culture war. We're called to make disciples. And making disciples is by investing the love that the Lord has given us into right. other people. And so that's an independent thing. Now, you can do something broad, such as I'm going to make art projects that are specifically influenced by my Christian faith. But I just want to let you know a little secret. Everything you make is in your own image. <laughs> and so everything you make will be coming from that perspective. And so when you're making something, it's just going to happen passively that if you're if you're basking and celebrating in the love that Christ is giving you, you're going to produce content that is that. It's just going to happen. That happens whether you're a carpenter just building a home or you're a podcaster just with a beard and who likes IPA. I am just such a stereotype. And that's just going to happen. And that's why media literacy is so important because you get to observe those things in other people very naturally. And what's most important about that is that when I'm at work talking to my coworkers and I can talk about how this show is about existentialism and self-love and stuff like that, I can get into how I don't believe in existentialism as a worldview and I can explain where my self-love comes from. It's a lot easier than it sounds in all honesty, I believe. It's just because the reason I say that is because it's just it's like any other skill. You can learn it. And it just takes time. 
And so it's not, a, but, but the idea of a culture war, I don't know. That sounds like you're just basically doing the crusades, but with thought, it's just a thought process. All the people who are typically on the right who are talking about a culture war and like to talk about 1984 all the time, even though they've most of the time never read it, they want to do 1984 style of war. They want to fight through thought. And that's just not how it works. If a friend tells me something, like the example I gave before of like a friend telling me the sins they've committed, my first thought is like, I have compassion for that. And I want to move towards that. And I want to help pull someone away from that and tell them like, I love you. The alcohol doesn't love you. (laughs) It may be the only thing that helps you feel better, but guess what? Love is going to make you feel better. That love that the Lord has to offer you. And I I feel that that's probably a much more useful thing. Man, uh, I really like this tangent, but let's be real here. Timelines, baby. <laughs> we we want to talk timelines. People want to hear us talk timelines and expectations. I was just going to say King the Conqueror is in this show. I wish Jonathan Majors wasn't told to just be acting cuckoo crazy. I wish Jonathan Majors was so supposed to be maybe intimidating. But I know, Dan, you texted me back and said you liked that Kang was a bit more cuckoo crazy here instead of just... I guess whatever Kang is usually, but I don't know. I don't read the comics. So right. I, I mean, Kang the Conqueror is not a character I'm super duper familiar with. I'm mostly familiar with him from some of his like appearances and like cartoons and things like that. We are getting into the point where outside of like when they bring in like X-Men and Fantastic Four characters, um, eventually we are getting into characters. I don't know anything about like, I don't know anything about the Eternals <laughs> or really <laughs> much about Shang-Chi outside of his appearances in like other series. Like, or I think if I'm thinking master of Kung Fu is the same character, I might be wrong on that, but, um, but yeah, Kane the Conqueror is a character. I've never been, I've always found him to be more like a cool looking character with some fan favorite power types. Like he's a time traveler. He doesn't have any actual superpowers. He just has future tech that essentially is the same thing. He's having powers kind of like a little bit like some of the things like booster gold to an extent, but um but like what fans like about him is he's just a giant walking form of continuity where retroactively he's been established to be other characters in Mar- in the, in the villain uh, uh, Marvel's past. So, or sometimes when they need, you know, when you need to fix a plot hole, Oh, that was Kang or this character, that was Kang and that kind of thing. Cue the Jean Parmesan. Yeah. Joke. The, yeah, yeah. Jean Parmesan <laughs> and just in a giant suit holding balloons or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's um, right. a firefighter at one point. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's so like for long time comic book readers, that's fun because it's like a character, but I've always found it to be kind of bland in a little bit because outside of that, where the character gets fun for me is when like iron lad goes back in time to prevent himself from being evil. That kind of weird storytelling is interesting to me. So I like that kind of stuff. So part of why I like this version of the character is a, they're giving him a much more interesting motivation than in the comics where he's just a conqueror, you know, like that's okay, fine. You know, it does same thing as um, Mm -hmm. Vandal Savage and all these other characters. That's fine, which is a DC character, but like the, the idea that like this version of the character, at least in this episode. So finally Loki and Sylvie get to the, get to the, where the TVA founder is. Miss minutes is there and it's terrifying. Uh, Miss minutes is a great character voiced by the amazing Tara strong. who's one of the best voice actresses to ever live. She is currently Harley Quinn. She is Raven in, in teen Titans. She's Timmy Turner. She's twilight sparkle. She's just great. She's in tons of stuff. 
And so Miss Minutes just tells them that the boss is there and the boss is just the doors open up and there's just this kooky, weird dude there. And he is like he's like the CEO who's gone mad because he's just been alone in his office for all of eternity, just watching all of time. Jeff Bezos, man. I'm telling you. He's like he's Jeff Bezos in, <laughs> in 150 years. Yeah. And he like he has printouts of the conversations that they're going to have because he's seen it all. And so he just and he's like giggling a little bit when he get dodges out of their attacks and stuff. It's really great stuff. And part of why this works for me is A. This is just one Kang. They establish that there's a whole multiverse of other versions of himself. So don't worry, nerds. But he's just the smartest one. He was yeah. able to, like, his backstory is awesome. I found out how to time travel. And so did my other versions. So we all met up. They, Some of them were bad. So we got yeah. a war. And it's, so it's just Kang in war with himself. And he's just the one who lived. Which is kind of a thing in the comics. There's a bunch of different right. Kangs. But in the, in the comics, it's more because of all the time traveling he's done. It just messes with it. This is just like full multiverse. There's all these different right. Kangs everywhere. And the implication is that this is a guy who, he's a guy doing all his pruning. He's countless people he's murdered and destroyed. He's destroyed entire timelines. But he's the good guy just to prevent basically and the guys coming after him are way worse you know that stuff is really cool and so i like this character has better motivation i think this version of the character is more fun jonathan majors is having a lot of fun um there's a whole sequence where sylvie and loki start fighting and he's just watching them excitedly and he's like sort of looks like oh like when they when they eventually embrace and kiss like he's fangirling out behind them about it like you just this is a show to him he's just watching time unfold in right. front of him that stuff is really fun. And the, of course the implications are deep as well. So eventually he just lets himself be killed. He's just like, fine, kill me. But if you kill me, something worse is going to happen. Cause what he wants is for Loki and Sylvie to take care of the TVA. He thinks they'd be great as the boss. Sylvie just wants to kill him. Yeah. Total Willy Wonka situation. Yeah. It's <laughs> Willy Wonka would be much better if it ended with him just stabbing Willy Wonka and taking his <laughs> factory. Right. And Willy's just like, see you soon. You know? Yeah. And the Johnny Depp Willy Wonka walks out from behind. <laughs> like, I'm so, so much worse. worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Sylvie kills him. Loki escapes to the TVA as all these other timelines start coming out because she killed Kang the, or the one above all is what he's called. Not the, no, he who remains the one above all is a different character. Uh, so she kills him and fans have pointed out that if you play the final episode of WandaVision and the same time as Loki, it all lines up. How do you mean? It's like the moment that Wanda is like going full Scarlet, Witch lines up with when he gets killed and everything or something like that. Interesting. So yeah. How would they know? Like, is there cues in the timeline that say like, I don't know. I think they just played the episode at the same time. So, yeah, so all these di- timelines diverge. The timeline's going crazy. And Loki's running to Owen Wilson, like, you got to stop. Everything's crazy. And they're like, who are you? Turns around, turns out he's at a different TVA with Kane the Conqueror statue there. So Loki's in a different timeline. Sylvie's killed Kang, and who knows what she's doing. And now the multiversal madness begins. So it's one of those things where Marvel's found this perfect way to insulate themselves from, from some criticism because the fans. You might as well have forgotten what happened the first five episodes, because that's all I was going to talk about. Right. Like, oh, man, is Kang going to show up and blah, blah, blah? Is Loki going to be a villain? Is Sylvie going to be a villain? That's like, how many Spider-Men are there going to be? You know, it's like all they're going <laughs> to that's right. all they're going to talk about. Yeah. Like, they forgot that, like, any of the other things happened in the show, basically, you know? I thought it was good. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm negative about it. Like, and I think this stuff's cool. I'm nerding out. I'm texting my friends. Like, what do you think's going to happen? You know? Yeah. And that's, that's, hey, that's what I want to have a TV show. So there you go. But I hope that subsequent seasons, I hope that the Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange movie, and the Spider Man movie are good. Wrap 
wrap up most of the stuff to an extent or reset the continuity. You know, they bring in Daredevil or whatever. And then Loki seasons two and three can then just be a show about right. whatever and not just be part of the ongoing chapter. We can finally get Sam Raimi Spider-Man four and it would be canon. Ah, that'd be so cool. I, yeah, I, I really hope that part of the deal brings Sam Raimi in for Dr. Strange. is just like, okay, but what if we also did this? And so <laughs> yeah. like, what if you gave me back my Spider-Man <laughs> instead of like the way you took it away from me in three? It's some people think that Mo- Mo- Morbius takes place in Raimi Spider-Man universe or something. Well, it has that poster on the wall. That's not. Yeah. The current it has Spider-Man Raimi Spider-Man scene. on the wall and the Daily Bugle stuff that you see is like the Daily Bugle from Raimi Spider-Man. Theory time. All right. I texted Theory you this. Time. I texted you this and I thought oh. because we see Kang on the wall, the previous Kang, the he who remains, I guess is how we'll have to talk to talk about him. He put the three time keepers up in place of himself for some reason. So I was like, if Sylvie's in control, did Sylvie put the three, did Sylvie decide, all right, I'll just put Kang up as the statue. And so Sylvie's in control or because the timelines branch and timey-wimey stuff can be immediate. The second Kang died, did a new Kang just show up and take over and just toss Sylvie away? Or there's even like, is that mansion that they were in? Was that actually Kang's mansion where he did his, sciencey experiments or was that the previous timekeepers place because there's the three statues with the fourth one collapsed so like is the fourth one still alive or is there deep lore where like the three knocked out the four i don't know what what are you thinking before we get into our recommendations i guess uh i don't do theories okay um <laughs> my th- my thing is with, with this type of stuff is i feel like i say that phrase a lot this type of stuff so far they've already drifted so far away from like what we've known about the characters that it's h- tough to make any sort of predictions based on established like character stuff i think it's a possibility what you're i really feel like he just ended up in a timeline with one of the more evil kangs in it and i think my i think we might see sylvie again in multiverse of madness as like a sort of MacGuffin character where I think Loki's going to show up and he's going to try and work with Dr. Strange because what he wants is to rescue Sylvie. Yeah. And so I think Sylvie will be trying to either he, she's captured by some of the Kangs or she's actively trying to fight them or the reverse. Cause I, I, or she's a villain. The Kangs are trying to stop her or Sylvie's trying to save Loki. Cause or, yeah, I yeah. can't, I think it would be, it would be a bummer for them to turn Sylvie into the damsel in distress. Yeah. The only reason I'm saying that is that Loki's been confirmed to be in Multiverse of Madness. So he's the only actor. He's He's been confirmed to appear. So I don't know if that or or is he's just on a quest to find her and just not that she's in distress. She's just gone. Yeah. And so she's doing her own thing like she has been doing throughout the show. Yeah, because, yeah, it would be a huge shame if she just ends up being like save me. Essentially the lamp that they need right. to grab, you know, or yeah. whatever that phrase is. But I agree with that. I just yeah, I think. That's what I that's what I'm kind of leaning towards. I don't think she's in control of the TVA or if she is, it was brief because the other Kangs would could just show up immediately. Exactly. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. I think all these divergent timelines is the impetus for what they're going to do next. 
I also think that this is how they're going to, I think this might be how they introduce mutants into the, into the universe where because of like the changing of the timelines and the destruction of the multiverse or like taking all these timelines and mushing them back in the same one might cause mutations. Oh yeah, totally. I think that could be thing or the Eternals will, will introduce mutants, which would be kind of boring. I also think this is how they're going to like pick and choose what things from other continuities to bring in, um, which would break my heart a little bit, but like, I think this is how they're going to bring in the Netflix characters. I think if they want to keep any of the X-Men actors, this would be how they would do it is, or if they want to bring over any of the Spider-Man stuff, like if they want to permanently have Jimmy Fox be Electro, this is how they're going to do it is um, trying to fix all the timelines also think this is unfortunately how they're going to retcon events from previous movies they don't like or bring back actors who were, who have died, which would just make me upset because now death really doesn't mean anything because you can just bring in people's variants and stuff. Well, death but. would mean specific versions die. Yeah. That's but. viable. I mean, that that's what ruined Endgame for me is the, the Thanos I liked dies. Is dead. Like yeah. the Thanos that was compelling. And then the, the new Thanos was not actually all that interesting. The one that they had. So, yeah. I think to that, I think that Loki season two is, it seems like it's going to be first. He's going to win over Owen Wilson again, which is kind of dumb, but he's, we're going to see them try and fix the multiverse. Like season two and three might just be, you know, housekeeping where they're just like cleaning up all the aftershocks of all this nonsense, um, which might lead it into being the show that I've said earlier that I want, but I also worry that it's going to be, they're going to follow the formula again, or they're just, there's going to be some other variant they're chasing, or there there's some other mysterious threat that they need to deal with. You know, maybe nightmare for the nightmare realm is causing havoc or something because mm-hmm. they opened up a rift in space and time, you know, or whatever. And that to me would be kind of boring unless it leads them in a wild goose chase where they have to investigate all these other timelines and the events there are fun and it's wacky, but that's all I got for theories because you know, who knows? Yeah. I, every theory I've had so far has been wrong, so I don't know if I want to keep theorizing. So what kind of recommendation do you have for us today? Other than the show, which was great. Which was great. Uh, I'm going to divert a little bit from our usual commentary thing. I'm going to diversify my commentary recommendation to get more broad and recommend a study Bible, if that is okay. <laughs> I think that study Bible, because I was just thinking about it because I bought a new one the other day. Um, I think a good study Bible is a good backbone for any biblical library. I know it's some people, some people don't like study notes. People don't like writing in their Bible. They just prefer the text, which I think is admirable. But I think a good study Bible gives you enough additional information to chew on um, while kind of leaving things open a little bit for your own interpretation, you know, uh, because I think the dangerous study Bibles is rather than reading and like thinking about it or even like right. praying mm-hmm. about it is you just immediately treat the study notes like they're also scripture. Right. You read the footnotes all the time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's dangerous to an extent. And so I personally use the MacArthur Study Bible. That's like my go-to study Bible, the NASB. I also use the Reformation Study Bible and the ESV. Uh, But none of those are what I am recommending today uh, because I'm just going to roll over to my – I actually have a whole shelf of just Bibles. Uh, That's a weird thing to brag about, I know. but Would you recommend coffee stain or no coffee stain version? I mean, it gives it character because that's the Bible that you've been using, you know? That's right. Um, I actually recommended this Bible recently in the Reformed, one of the Reformed groups. can't remember which one. Anyway, it was a book one. So it is called The Life 
Connections Study Bible. And what it is, I have it in the CSB translation, which uh, some people might not like that so much. And what makes this different from other study Bibles is it's designed for like a small group leader. So what it does instead of traditional study notes is it throughout all of scripture, it has an opening prompt that you can use. It has things to consider. It has study questions you can ask the group. It has general summaries of what each chapter and stuff means with some footnotes. Typically, though, the footnotes are aimed at like helping explain what some of the original language is and stuff like that for a group leader. Um, It's very unique in that way where it's not so much a Bible filled with like copious notes about this and that. It's designed to help you think and apply scripture so it includes application questions, group discussion questions, specific pointed questions you can ask. So if you're somebody who has to do a lot of Bible studies or small groups, or even if you're just in a bind, which I've been in where someone just suddenly asks you to lead a group, it's a great quick one. I actually, and I'm going to say something that may sound like weird for a recommendation. I don't think a lot of the questions and prompts they throw in there themselves are great, but I like that they get me thinking and I often come up with great my own questions that way from reading it. Also, it's just a nice Bible. The paper's good. I got the, this nice binding. Um, the book and chapter introductions are great. It's just a fun study Bible, especially for somebody who already owns a bunch of them, or it's just a nice addition to your library. So the Life Connection Study Bible. We should really get a sponsorship or something. Hey, I'd be down for that. And I'm assuming you're going to ask me about another. Well, I can cut in and then you can do your normal one. After oh, yeah, yeah. But, you um, go ahead, man. I was going to recommend play people play Pokemon Go. Uh, I've just been I play Pokemon Go all the time. I play it basically every day. Uh, if you don't know, because you lived under a rock in 2016, which probably wasn't a bad idea because that was the election. But in 2016, uh, Pokemon Go came out, and it's basically a Pokemon game that you play on your phone, and you walk around in real life, and then the the game picks up where you are, and then Pokemon are spawned in the area, and you can catch them. And it's as simple as just you know toss a ball and you get them. But there's like a really fun system of like how you can battle against other players. There are direct battles. I don't find them very interesting other than when I need to farm items, but there are gyms that are basically landmarks. So there's landmarks that are picked up in the game all around and you can spin them for items or battle for them. And you place Pokemon in there. And, but depending on what team you are, there's three teams, blue, red, and yellow. Um, you're able to take them for your team and you get yourself items. The game's just really fun though, because it gets you outside. My wife and I play all the time and we'll go on walks and play. We'll have fun kind of capturing gyms in our area. You kind of pick up on players who are in, who live in your area because you see the same names. So like, there's like a rival on my street that like always has this one church down the, like one block away that like there was one day, like I'm editing the podcast. I see that's yellow. So I go out for the walk real quick, take the gym, go back home. I sit down and he got it right back immediately. So then I walked back out again and did it. Um, but like this weekend, the reason, one of the reasons we rescheduled to record today um, instead of on the weekend was because I there was an event going on. So my wife and I went out and we were out for like over, I think 10 or 11 hours walking around at this one park. And like we're playing Pokemon and so are several other people. Um, and we were catching a lot of rare Pokemon because that's what the event was. And it's just nice to be outside, obviously, but it's also nice to be outside. And like, there's sort of like this, like you're doing it with other people, but you're not doing it with them. Cause like, I'm mostly just talking to my wife, but I could have gotten and talked, talked to other people, traded Pokemon. And I've done that before. I've 
communicate with other people. I, I talk to people. That's something I do. Like there was one time I went out to the park and had to complete a raid and it was for a specific Pokemon. And so I just asked some people who I knew were playing Pokemon. I was like, hey, do you guys mind joining me real quick to do this? And then we were chatting and then at some point we parted. But it's just nice. And there's just nice community-based aspects to that. And even after we got back, my wife and I were like, hey, that would have been kind of fun to text all our friends and be like, hey, my wife and I are going to do this for several hours, basically. Would you like to meet us at the park? You can download the game. It's totally free and we'll get you started. And I even said to my wife, like, I would spot people $5 just to get them the starter items that are like, like basically all mobile games do that help you jumpstart. It's really cool. It's fun. And it was nice to see people of all types out there. I mean, we're seeing old, old couples. Every time we go out, we've seen old couples playing Pokemon Go. Um, we've seen kids and fathers and, um, we saw like a mother daughter. And I think I even saw like, like a grand grandma and their, and her granddaughter out. And there's just like a lot of fun connection going on. And, uh, yeah, so totally cool. I, I absolutely love Pokemon go and totally recommend it. Um, and now's really a really good time to get on because if you played in 2016, you know, the server sucked and a lot, it ate your battery doesn't do that now. Um, the game runs way better and there's just a lot more fun stuff to do. So that's my recommendation. What is your general recommendation, Dan? So some of you may have, if you got the service called Netflix, um, some of you may have seen. What's that? Uh, so it's, it's, it's on your computer and it's kind of like television. Um, Can I watch the Emmys on that? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> And if you can't, just angrily tweet it at Netflix because they messed up. And so they owe you an Emmy. Side, um, sidebar. Isn't it crazy that the Emmys, which only streams on uh, uh, like a normal TV channel, like almost all of the Emmy nominations are streaming service shows. 30 of them are Disney, like for like it's WandaVision or something. Yeah. WandaVision's killing it. So yeah, Netflix, it's on your computer <laughs> and you can watch uh, television programs on there like Supermarket Suite. Wow. And That's cool. It's great. And one of the shows that they've been pushing hard on there is a show called Manifest. And for those of you who have not watched it, Manifest is about a bunch of people board a plane. And then while they're in the air, the plane just disappears and suddenly sets back down. I think like five years later, and none of the people on the plane have aged. And they also all have some sort of weird heightened ability. And so the drama comes from the way their lives have changed while they were gone, as well as what happens with the abilities they've apparently gotten while on the plane, it stars a guy who played Prince Charming on Once Upon a Time. Some of you hearing me describe that may say, hey, that sounds really similar to a different show that already aired. And that show is called The 4400. Now, I have only watched the first two episodes of both The 4400 and Manifest. And I am here to tell you that so far, 4400 is a little bit better. Um, it has mm. better characters. It has much more interesting and already costly things happen as a result of the event the 4400 the difference is that rather than a plane it's just random people of starting in the 1940s up through 2003 just disappear and they come back in 2004 which is funny because all the technology is outdated now look at those idiots in their flip phones um but <laughs> also like some of the things that happen are just much sadder like there's a guy who gets got taken in the 70s and he's literally on his way to pick up his wife for like the 30th anniversary dinner or whatever and so he comes back and he just wants to see his wife and she's like in a old folks home and like the moment they left is like her traumatic event so she's just kind of sitting by a window constantly asking when he's going to show up to pick her up for dinner and there's like so there's already immediately much sadder more real things happening in the show 
and the abilities make kind of more sense and it's just a better show overall and weirdly some of the special effects look better and the show is like 15 years older than manifest it's weird so my recommendation is if you're thinking about watching manifest watch the 4400 instead it's pretty good two and a half episodes in where is it on netflix too it is also on netflix <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it's also on the computer so also on the computer good i have a computer i'm using one right now it's pretty cool it's a picture of one of those old mac like ones you saw in like the school library <laughs> just the, like, the like pink or like, yeah like clear pink and see the computers inside like your old game boy color thanks so much for checking out this episode of cinematic doctrine If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.